everybody. It's time to roll for intent with the creator's corner. And, you know, we keep coming back. It surprises me every week. I don't know how this happened, but here we are. I blame Trevor. I think I'm just going to let you do the intros from now on. You're much more smooth at them. (laughs) Time to roll for the creator intent corner with Anita Nett. (laughs) (laughs) Who we got with us this week? Who'd Who'd you drag out? Well, you know, we had a really awesome guest lined up, but they canceled last minute. And we have this other guy that has been begging to come on our show. It's really been kind of a little embarrassing. So we decided to let him go ahead and come on. So without further ado, a man that honestly needs no introduction. We have with us. I can't believe we lost Luke Gygax. Jesus. (laughs) I know that's so upsetting. (laughs) We have with us Mark Seifter from BattleZoo, but of course, everyone probably knows him as one of the minds behind the game that we all love and play, Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Mark, welcome to the program. Hi, I'm, I'm glad to be here, although I'm, I'm, I'm really curious. I'm just finding out about how I supposedly begged to be on the show or something. That I'm, I'm having some memory loss here. It's 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 a problem. It maybe just it's because you've been I'm, tied I'm up in that bag older. so long. Oh, yeah, oh, oxygen. No. I, and, you I know. was going to say, to be fair, you were very drunk. So, <laughs> oh, that's too bad. That's weird. <laughs> given that I am a teetotaler, but I, I'm sure it happened. I mean, I trust you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I reached out to Mark because we actually asked our listeners if there was anything they really wanted us to cover. And several people reached out to us saying we would love for you guys to cover some of the BattleZoo stuff. Now, I supported the first BattleZoo Kickstarter in the Dragon Ancestry and the Bestiary, the first one you guys were doing. And mm-hmm. I, you know, part of the playtest and just loved everything you guys were doing and you know the the quality of everything is top notch so i thought well you know what let's reach out to mark and see if he'd be willing to come on and being the wonderful gentleman that you are you agreed yeah i guess um i i guess i drunkenly agreed or no i i just <laughs> regularly agreed <laughs> But yeah, it was great to have you in the playtest. We all the playtesters for the Dragon Ancestry really gave a lot of great feedback for it. I was really pleasantly surprised with the way that the Dragon Ancestry went. Um, like I, I probably with a lot of other people, maybe at the idea of it wasn't too thrilled, but the way that it turned out was real fun, honestly. And I, I was overjoyed with the fact that it wasn't a crazy mary sue thing you know i mean i ah that's what you were expecting right so i was expecting oh i'm a i'm a 10,000 year old dragon and i'm awesome and it's not and i i'm very glad it went that way that's been a, a big time criticism of mine from like it's kind of hard saying not first party content because as i've i've come to learn doing this show not first party content is so often great but i've seen so many homebrew classes that are are just wish fulfillment or homebrew races that are just wish fulfillment. And this was so well balanced, so much so that it would probably frustrate people that were hoping for wish fulfillment, which makes me well, happy. There you go. And I mean, the, the, the fact of the matter is there's 
people like to draw a line because it's easier for uh, like just it's easier as a customer to draw a line and be like, well, I'll do this first party, but I won't do third party. But really, it's 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 kind of down to individual authors and designers and developers who work with them as to what you're going to get in the product. And you can wind up with a first party product that has one team and a first party product with a different team and then a third party product that has you know the same people on it that were on the first for uh first party products team that you liked and it'll probably look more like the one that you liked if it has the same people i mean which i guess should be obvious but it's not always obvious because a lot of people don't look at the names of you know who's working on stuff and that's something i've gotten in the habit now when i pop open a book. I try to find out all the people that have contributed it because I've, I've talked to so many of them now and I'm, I'm getting to know them and I can reach out and be like, Hey, what part did you work on? And I can start to get a real feel. And I'm almost to the point where I can tell who's written a specific thing. Uh, yeah, I can do that. Um, I could do that sometimes. Like I would get things in and say, which of these two freelancers wrote that? And they'd be like, it was, it was always one of them. I was like, they were like, why those two? I was like, well, you know, um, it has this um, this deep knowledge of some of the more obscure stuff that um, that feels like one of these two because they're both very good freelancers who know the obscure stuff, and it is building on something that was that was written by freelancer one who always likes to pump their own stuff later on in later books, and it had themes of these kind of elements in it that freelancer two is constantly doing. So it's one of those two people and they'd be like, Oh, okay, that makes sense. So like you can eventually get to it, but you know, I feel like it's not your fault for expecting the dragon to be overpowered. Cause some, there have been takes on dragon that have come out already, especially like some for five E where it was just, it says in the foreword, they're like, listen, it's overpowered. We know it is just throw fewer dragons against the saving Connor. We're not going to make it not overpowered. And that's, that was not where we were at because we felt that if you have the story and the mechanics sing together and you have good explanations that make sense, that it can just make things richer, more interesting while allowing it to be balanced. And that's where I came up with the Lux Eterna ritual, which dragons perform for a variety of reasons, but often because they're impatient to get that power up without having to wait like 5,000 years to become a great worm or however long it is. Uh, but there's other reasons, like if they're dying or they want to save someone's life and the ritual gives them, shoots all of their potential from their long life into their body at once and short circuits their magic and then allows it to grow super fast if they expose themselves to danger or trials and tribulations or other things that sort of exercise it. And that is sort of like the explanation for Hey, what's going on? A bunch of my dragon stuff isn't working quite right now, but then I suddenly get all of it in like four months in character instead of over a thousand years. How is this working? So the way I like to go into it is to make the lore and the mechanics match and synergize and then explore the implications of the mechanics in the lore. And that's why I included sections for like, what does this mean that there's this ritual? How does that impact these particular types of dragons? Yeah, the uh, I, I know when I first saw that, I was telling my son about, oh, he, he literally had asked me probably two weeks before, Dad, I really want to play a dragon. And he's 13 and he was 
you know, I was telling him, oh, you know, I saw that they're doing this and it's going to be on a Kickstarter. And he had been asking me forever when the PDF finally came out and it was released on Pathbuilder. He think he's played like five different dragons. But I I love the work you guys are doing over there on that end, because one of the things, you know, as adults, we have a myriad of options more than you could ever explore even right now, and there's just more that come out constantly. But with you know, the Dragon and the Eldemon series that you guys have coming out and the collection of Eldemon in that, I think it's fantastic how you guys are really helping to bridge this gap be- between generations in a sense of making it very easy to get your kids interested in a hobby that you have loved since you were a kid. And the world's a very different place from when I was a kid and my kids. So, you know, things that really can help you bring your family together and, you know, me being an older guy, just my my nephews and my kids and their friends, we've had so much fun with these things. And, you guys are a big part of that. And the things you guys are creating are going even farther down that road. I've looked at the ancestries that you're going to be doing with your year of year of I've, what's the title of that again? Year of Ancestries. I don't remember. Year of Monsters. Battlezoo Ancestries Year of Monsters. And it it is in the Battlezoo Ancestries series, which Battlezoo Ancestries Dragons was also in that series as well. And who can forget the dungeon? Yeah, the dungeon, the April Fool's product that was absolutely the part that was the the made the joke the best is that it was a serious ancestry that you can play and it works and it's completely legitimate most people thought that when they saw it it was just like a mock-up of a cover then they realized wait it's a file it's probably just full of jokes and then it's like wait i can play this at all and they're like wait but it's also like it works they were very surprised Yeah, you guys put so much work into this stuff. And I do want to let our listeners know, just last night, fortuitously, I received my Battlezoo book Kickstarter. And I got them and I was telling Mark and Trevor, I'm a little bit of a paper nerd. And I was insanely excited that this book was 20 out, 28 pound paper. It feels so nice. And this book will last forever. And the quality of it is far exceeds anything that Paizo is doing. And I fell in love with it all over again. I mean, I've poured through the PDFs, but. Yeah, it's the same printer who makes Paizos, but Steven's paying him like twice as much to give the highest quality paper. Just for all of you listeners out there, in case you're like, oh my gosh, it was from the first Kickstarter. and It was only last night when I was listening to this. This is end of September when uh, when he got his uh, <laughs> his copy. So depending on when this plays, it was not actually last night. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. We have a horrible habit of recording things way in advance, but, you know, that's the industry, man. Yeah, totally. And I do want to let people know, if you ever miss these Kickstarters, you can go to BattleZoo.com. They have everything there available for you as pre-order and everything. It is very easy to use. Do not fret. If you're missing these things, you can go and catch up. And I highly recommend supporting the Roll for Combat Battle Zoo series that they are doing great work and helping to expand this game that that all of us love. And just because 
everyone's going to create things that you're not super crazy about, but someone does love it. And there's nothing wrong with running. You know, when I was younger, me and my friends, we ran a Pokemon game with Dungeons and Dragons, I think. And this was back in third edition. It, we were, it was just a goof off game and we had a blast with it. So you know, it's so cool to and I'm so excited to see how you guys deal with these things in the Eldemon series. I can't wait. Uh, you're totally not wrong that playing with your kids is something that a growing number of people want to do or playing with the next generation in fact, it, it's uh, one of the largest growing demographics, I think, this past year was, like, parents who were playing with their daughter. That was, like, strangely a very, very growing demographic of people who are playing tabletop RPGs. So uh, if parents who want to play with their kids and um, show them the joy of, of monster collecting, or if you want to pick up Eldemond, it's... Definitely going to be designed so that you can have a lot of fun doing that. It's got, at this point, 13 different elements uh, worth of elemental monsters. Let's describe what it is for for those listeners who aren't sure. You can befriend them. Uh, You don't, like, beat them up and then throw them into a spherical-shaped prison. You you figure out what they're interested in and make uh, make friends with them. And um, you bring them along and have adventures with them. and. They can fight for you if you have the Eldemon trainer class, but in that case, uh, in most cases when they're battling, it's sort of just displays of energy that tire each other out and they don't actually like hurt and kill each other with these giant fire blasts. Uh, but they can like melt an ogre or something if you are an Eldemon trainer and you swap out yourself out of phase for your Eldemon. And elemental avatars kind of embody the elements that the Eldemon can have within themselves. They are truly avatars of those elements, and uh, that's another class you can pick up. Plus, there's other random merch. Like, we actually have some really good plushes that are made by the same people who made um, the Gallant Goblin Cobalt plush or Tentacle Kitty um, plushes. And uh, so we've got some plushes for Eldemon that you can get also on Eldemon.com. Uh, uh, no, sorry, Battlezoo.com. I think Eldemon.com goes to the Kickstarter now. They're all redirects. But Battlezoo.com, I was pretty surprised to even manage to put that together, and it's so, like, easy to use, and it looks nice, and I don't know. I guess I'm used to working in the RPG industry where, like, it's very hard to get a website that's functional, and uh, <laughs> I was glad to have one that was. Sick burn. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think everyone's chuckling. I'm waiting for the Paizo (sighs) store Kickstarter to start to give us a functional store. (laughs) Like, but it's not that, like, they work really, really hard. It's just, it's got legacy architecture and there's all sorts of reasons that it has, uh, that it's troublesome. So to me, like, I have this idea of how difficult it is to do something like that. So when Steven's like, yeah, I just did it. It's like, whoa. You guys also have some really cool pins for the Eldemon series, too, don't yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, um, we have people in our Discord that love collecting pins. I've talked with them, and I remember seeing some of that on the, the Kickstarter. So and Battle I was Zoo Bestiary has the pins, I believe, and the stickers. And Eldemon has minis, um, it has plushies, and it has dice sets that go with the card game. Because there is, in fact, a non-collectible, because... We're not going to make you randomize and chase after rares. There is a just like you buy the, the, the packs and you have one of everything that you need. 
uh, Eldamon Battles card game where you can duel between your Eldamons and uh, Eldamon and have battles between them that are strategic. There's even a little video where Linda and I are playing a very, very early version of the game to show off the mechanics and show that it's really simple. You can play it with a very young kid, even one who can't read the cards, because technically, if they are at least proficient enough to randomly play a card face down without knowing what it's going to do, then they are as good as the uh, quote-unquote AI that you can play in solo player. Um, but there is a lot of psychological depth in trying to guess what your opponent is going to do. Like, it could be in some ways tougher to play that little kid who can't read the cards than to play someone who you can, you can like kind of mind trick them and you know exactly what their moves are going to be and you counter them because you just know their, their strategy and their style. Oh, I totally understand that. I think we've all probably fell victim to some button masher at Smash Brothers that has killed us and put us into a rage because they have no idea what they're even doing. <laughs> sure. The other the other analogy for that is like a world championship rock, paper, scissors winner can win rock, paper, scissors. Sometimes it's like up to 80 percent of the time against like you or me uh, because they play certain psychological games. If you if you give enough matches, right, if it's like five out of nine. but yeah. If you play them against literally a strategy of rolling a die randomly for each one, of course, it's only 50-50 at that point because they can't play you. They have to play the game. And the same might be true for like Masters of the Eldermont Battles card game once it comes out that you might actually have a harder time playing against random than you do against someone that you can just predict all of their moves in advance. Very cool. You guys are doing a lot of great stuff over there. And you guys, you're currently, I believe you have the Eldamon well underhand. You have, you're working on a new bestiary. What's that one? Strange and unusual or something like that? Yes, that's right. So we've got, uh, we basically had three things where thing is a very, very broadly defined term in each of the two Kickstarters. So the first one had dragons, which we talked about. Had the original Battle Zoo bestiary, which is where I started working freelance with Roll for Combat because I wrote the monster part crafting system that where you can take parts out of monsters that you either befriend and they're like, I will free you give freely give you this feather with power in it, or you kill them and skin it off, or whatever you're gonna do. And it has a bunch of award-winning RPG superstar monsters plus that system. Uh, and then the third thing in the first Kickstarter is Jewel of the Indigo Isles, which is an adventure path with heavy-hitting uh, Paizo authors um, that just did a lot of Paizo adventures that you probably have heard of, like um, first part, Patrick Reaney, second part, Ron Lundin, third part, Linda Zayas Palmer. So uh, that, and that is set in a, a series of islands. It is a very... Interesting and very deluxe adventure path because Steven just kept ordering more and more art and adding more and more content to it. So it really does a lot. And it got so big, it like kind of like a slime split into two and created another book that is a character guide full of additional content and ancestries. So that's the first one, right? So the second one has Eldamon, which I mean, I would say is somewhat underway, but it's probably going to be the last one we fully write because it's got a lot of a lot of moving parts in it. We've got the Year of Monsters. That's part of the second Kickstarter. It's once per month you will get a mo- monstrous ancestry like Minotaurs, Demons, uh, a lot of other ones. I could name all of them, but 
that this will just make this rundown of all the products get too long. So just once per month, you get one of those. There's behind the scenes uh, streams that you can engage to work on the design alongside us as we refine them, add to them, and create a uh, a compilation book that will be even longer than combining all 12 of the ancestries together and release that to backers. And so that's a year of monsters. And then uh, finally, there is the Battle Zoo Best Three Strange and Unusual, as you mentioned, which is another RPG superstar contest award-winning monster book that all, uh, also has um, some more monster parts system imbued properties and just really expands the monster part system and adds the aberrant soul archetype for people who are turning into an aberration. Since the first book had the monster mage, it's kind of like a blue mage that learns spells from monsters and the vestige hunter that learns special abilities from monsters. Very cool. There was so much fun stuff in there. I very much enjoyed all of it. There's arguably too much stuff. (laughs) (laughs) No such a thing. Well, I mean, I, I love having so much stuff. It makes me happy. I just sometimes worry that I that the amount of things I just said will be too much and that people will be like it'll be too hard to process it compared to if I was just like, listen, I'm only doing one thing and it's a card game about Aldemon and I'm not doing any of the other things. Then, you know what I'm doing. <laughs> I will say I was surprised by the amount of stuff that I saw while just going to BattleZoo.com and clicking through the products. So uh, I won't say that it was like options to make my head spin. But I was very pleasantly surprised with the amount of stuff here. I'm I'm digging the uh, Eldemon Battles card game. I might have to pick that one up. I've got two small kids, and my daughter seems to be really into it or getting into it. She's a nice little dice goblin at four years old. My son, yeah, another another story. He bullies me for playing TTRPGs. It's kind of sad. Oh no! Well, <laughs> right? your, your four year old can probably like quote play it as long as she doesn't like rip the cards or something and she'll do fine. Like uh, there are certain strategic moves that might wind up getting messed up that the, the AI in its test phase did like playing a fire attack. That was like, you must discard another card from your hand to play this. Cause it does so much damage as the last card when there were none left in the hand or something like that. But other than, other than a few blunders like that, you can usually put up like an okay show if you're playing at random, but you're not going to beat someone who knows what they're doing. And you got things like miniatures and, and uh, like pre-built resin miniatures, and you have STLs for stuff instead yep. of pawn boxes, which I think is a really cool choice because, you know, not everybody's going to want every single pawn. Somebody mm-hmm. might want like a, you know, a lieutenant or a BBEG, but I mean, I don't need a pawn for the, the mooks, right? So I think that's really cool because you can just kind of pick and choose what you want. It, I really dig it. I mean, I like the level of options because it's also uh, granular. You know, you don't have to get all or nothing or you don't have to get it in a bundle. You can get pick and choose. And because of that, there's no danger of fear of missing out or anything like that. You can pick it up at your leisure. And I think that's rad, honestly. There's so many Kickstarters to go out there for a book or an adventure or something like that, and the first printing happens and it's done. It's like, well, you can't get it printed anymore, but we'll sell you PDF. No, I want the printing. And I also want to add for our listeners that um, I believe pretty much all of these have Foundry support once they're fully released. Is that not true? I think it's true. Not only that, 
But if you love Foundry, you'll really love Year of Monsters because you cannot avoid getting the Foundry module for Year of Monsters. In fact, um, a, a, some number of backers on Kickstarter really wanted to try to not get the Foundry module for it, but it was our experiment because a huge percentage of people on the first Kickstarter just really wanted to also have the Foundry support like shockingly high amount. So we were, we decided what if one of the products this time just you it just comes with Foundry and you know it's a little cheaper than if you had gone for the Foundry and the um the PDF you know normally if you had to buy them separately but on the other hand that's the only option and so that's what's going on with Year of Monsters and you can separately buy anything else in Foundry so we yeah we absolutely have Foundry support there's also some other VTT support for stuff on the first Kickstarter, but those are like more difficult to find people to code or that are willing to do it. Um, you have to jump through some hoops that Steven was explaining about. And so for the second Kickstarter, we don't have those yet for other VTTs, but we've got Foundry people for days. So we've got um, two of the more like sort of the famous volunteer um, Pathfinder second edition Foundry uh, coders that anyone who is in the um, Pathfinder 2nd Edition Foundry uh, community probably would recognize them. Uh, I, I want to make a guess. It's TKL and Timon are probably one of them, right? It's TKL and Spartan. Okay, works for me. You but know yes, both of them. Uh, yep, and, you know, we've talked to Timon, uh, but it, uh, those are the two who we have doing the coding. So, yeah, absolutely. You, you got it with TKL, though, so... Good guess. You know, one out of five or one out of two. One out of five. One out of two ain't bad. <laughs> so close. No math for me tonight. One, two, five. <laughs> and you guys, I, I swear I heard this somewhere. And please correct me if I'm wrong. But are you guys, you're working on developing your own world that, you know, the whole, uh, oh, shoot, the adventure path kind of takes place in in that. Are you not? So yes and no. But, but I would say like mostly yes. So there is a world of Alakar, and it exists. The Indigo Isles are explicitly designed as an archipelago that you can just fit in any world, because what world doesn't have an ocean big enough to fit a small island chain? And it pretty much any de- world does. But um, it, Okay, well, but doesn't even Athos have some kind of a body of water? Maybe not big enough for that, since it's a giant desert. Anything that's not a giant desert, probably you're in good shape. But yeah, no dark sun, indigo isles for you. Sorry, everybody. Um, but it does nominally at least take place in Alakar. Super easy to change. There's like one or two references to deities. And as long as you can add like a new obscure religion to your world pretty easily, then you'll be set other than those one or two things. Uh, but we do have that setting. And the character guide has a pretty extensive section on the deities of that setting for you. And we have like some hints and deeper information about what's going on in that setting where we've um, in the newsletter talked about some of their early myths because it was a setting where like Kaiju were running rampaging around over everything. And then like these weirdly interloping deities that came from somewhere else just kind of showed up and helped against the kaiju and started a like a dynasty of deities that 
became the predominant group of deities in the world. And so there's that and some of the older religions and some other weird, mysterious stuff going on. And the world had been in a golden age for a while, uh, which is unlike a lot of other settings where everything's a mystery and nobody ever crosses X place uh, because it had been in a golden age and people just went to different continents and countries. There was a ton of cultural diffusion and just cultural blending. There's lots of ancestries that aren't just humans. Uh, humans are not the default there. And uh, Western Euro fantasy is not the default either because all the cultures mixed around. You're not going to see like one place and like, this is the place that has this culture stuff because we want to have influences from many cultures everywhere. Um, but this golden age is coming to an end potentially, and there's more dangers that are coming along. And that's kind of what we know. And we are not working on a larger setting book for Alakar yet, but uh, that is something that we want to do at some point. We want to find a good slot for it. We know that setting books are sometimes the thing that um, people who are creatives want to make the most, but people who are Customers or you know players need to buy the least because like even a new tabletop RPG, you might be, be like, hey, we got a new tabletop RPG. Let's start a campaign with this new tabletop RPG. I mean, it's totally different. We'll see how it plays. Uh, but and if you have a new class, anytime a player makes a new class, they might use it or an ancestry. An item could drop in anytime. But a new campaign setting is something that maybe even like the least amount used by anyone, but like just about every company wants to make one. So we want to also, but we won't do it first. Yeah. I mean, you, you, if you have 10 tables, five players, including your DM per table, you make something that's for a character. You could potentially sell a, you know, 50, you make something that is basically just for the DM. You're lucky if you could sell 10. So I totally get it. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm a, we're okay with making stuff that's just for the GM, but if you have 10 tables, like how many of them are like, not just the, like if, and then you say to the GM, I've got a, I've got an adventure for you. They're like, well, I'm about to finish my adventure. I could use a new one after that. So that's totally cool. Maybe all 10 of them would buy it potentially, right? Or you have like, I have GM tips or alternate rules or new th new monsters. All 10 of them could probably use that. But maybe only one out of 10 of them would be like, oh, this is a new campaign setting to learn that you don't know. Um, like even out of the 10 GMs, maybe only one of them, one out of 50 people buys it. I love setting books. I'm not going to lie about it. I think they're one of the best things uh, about the hobby is setting books. Uh, and and all of that extraneous and adjacent lore because it helps me build not only my world but fun npcs and fun characters that feel connected to the world that they're in so i like getting super deep dive into the worlds that i'm in so like absolutely if i'm in a world i'll buy tons of setting books for it but i don't always get all of the setting books for different settings until i'm ready to be like i'm going to deep dive into it well, Mark, we are getting near the end of our time, and we really want to thank you. You've been a most gracious and wonderful guest. Is there anything else you want to leave our listeners with before we have to depart? Well, um, just remind everyone, go to BattleZoo.com, and you can get pretty much everything there, depending on when this airs. 
You might have missed like some of those behind the scenes, like design meetings for some of the earliest ancestries in the year of monsters, but you also might not have. Uh, it'll be a it'll be a mystery to to all of us until it comes up. So, uh, but you can still get all of them on on battlezoo.com and you can get Eldemon. All of the things we've been talking about are available from from both Kickstarters, or at least as long as the supplies of the physical books last, right? Because eventually there won't be any more of some of the physical books. So I would go on there and check it out, buy some things, and just, I don't know, have fun um, playing games and making cool stuff for your world. Yes, and I, I encourage everyone to support this, you know, this venture, BattleZoo and everything. They are putting out very high quality products that are very well thought out. The the monster part system, the monster manuals, the ancestries, the classes, you know, everything that is coming out and, you know, helping to bring bridge gaps between generations of parents and children and just to bring more people to the table. They are, we we absolutely need more of that and supporting them encourages other people to try to jump into this arena and you know that's why we're doing all of this is because we want everyone including you know if we we consider ourselves successful if even just one of our listeners decides to take that leap and try to create something for someone else to enjoy so we we very much thank you guys for all of your effort and if you're worried about taking the plunge, then any of the parts that I myself wrote, which is a lot of it, I have I have a guarantee you can find it in the foreword of the Dragon Book, which I guess you picked up last night, so you might have seen it, where if it's not, you know, I'm one of the, like you said, one of the key creators of Pathfinder 2nd Edition. I know how to make something for Pathfinder 2nd Edition that can keep the game balanced. In fact, like it, one of the claims to fame of the game is that generally it's balanced and that's partially because I was balancing it. So if there's anything that you find that is unbalanced for your group that is in one of the books that or parts that I wrote, then hit me up and I will find a way to help you adjust it so that it works out for your group. Absolutely excellent. I love to hear it. All right. Well, that's about all we have for today. I'm Christian. I'm Trevor. And as always, you all have a great week. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.